Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Amen. Amen. Last week started and I actually put all these notes together, handed them to Zach for a small group notes. Then I came in and I said, you know what, only go halfway through that because there's no way I can preach that whole sermon. So this is kind of part two coming up from last week, talking about Paul's system of truth and what he was preaching on. But we were in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 17. He says, yet you obeyed from the heart, wholeheartedly from your heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered to you, that standard of teaching, the amplified, the pattern of teaching, the NIV, the system of truth in the Weymouth translation. So Paul talked about his system. There is a, a doctrine. There is a systematic doctrine. There is a presentation of truth that Paul had that was systematically manifest. He was caught up into the heavenly realm, and Jesus himself said, these are the teachings that I could not give once I had ascended. But now with the Holy Spirit come, with that spirit of truth and revelation, I want you to teach the body of Christ. So here's what uh, uh, James Stalker said. He said in the life of Paul, he said, Paul's letters contain the best explanation of Christianity in the world. The right way to look at them is to regard them as the continuation of Christ's own teaching. And when I'm teaching this, because we're right in the middle of reading all of Paul's uh, letters and his letters to the churches. So it is the right way to look at them. The right way to look at Paul's writings is to regard them as the continuation of Christ's own teaching. They contain the thoughts that Jesus carried away from the world unuttered. They are the advanced teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20, this is key now. This is a key verse for today. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of. I live this life in the faith of. I don't live in it by faith, but I live in it in the faith of Jesus Christ. I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when he speaks of the faith of Jesus Christ, he's talking about Christ's faith. When he speaks of our faith, of course he's talking about our faith, but both are vital. But the faith of Jesus Christ, our, our Savior's faithful performance of all the Father's will as our covenant surety and as our Redeemer. So it is the faith of, not the faith in Christ, but it's the faith of of Christ. Philippians 3.9 says, and that I might be found in him. Paul is not saying that I'm trying to be found in him. He's saying I am found in him, that I might be found in him as a present reality. I'm found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith, not in Christ, but the faith of Christ. Very different. How many know that of and in are two different words? He says, I'm found in the faith of Christ, the faith of of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So you see, I'm found in him, not having my own righteousness, but his righteousness through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, but it's by faith. So you see two people's faith there. You see the faith of Christ, his faithful performance on my behalf, his finished work reality, all that he did perfectly fulfilling the covenant, both sides of that covenant. God and his son cut a covenant in the flesh of his own son, and we were inserted in Christ and we are inserted in the Godhead because of the faith of Jesus Christ. 
So his faith, by his faith, we have been put in Christ. And by his, because of his faith, we have the righteousness because he absolutely, totally, faithfully did everything necessary. So what do I do? What I do is I say I accept that with my faith. So I accept that he did everything necessary for me to be everything that he's declared that I am in Christ Jesus. Important stuff, all right? So that's Philippians. Now, Galatians 3, 22. But the scripture has con concluded and put everyone under sin that by the promise of the faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So we are all, every single one was put under sin so that everybody by one foul swoop, by the finished work of the cross, by the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, everybody was put in sin so that by the work of Jesus, everybody could have access to absolute righteousness, holiness, and freedom. And that was totally done, and it's ours, and it's given, say given, it's not achieved, it's not earned, but it is given to everyone who believes that Jesus completely covered everything and was faithful to it on my behalf. Can I get an amen? All right, thank you. So, I've been given the measure, I've been given the God kind of faith to express faith so that I can exercise faith in the faith of Jesus Christ and his faithful performance. Do you get that? Let me read it again, because maybe you don't, because that's really what it is. I've been given the measure, not a measure, but I've been given the measure of the God kind of faith so that I can exercise that faith, the God kind of faith that works. I can exercise that faith in the faith of Jesus Christ. I have been given faith to exercise faith in the faith of Christ so that I receive every single blessing just simply by saying, thank you, Jesus. How simple is that? It is so simple, it blows up the minds of self-righteous people. It is so simple, it just literally wrecks the world who those who want to perform and somehow earn their way into a relationship with the Father. But it is a free gift. It is absolutely by faith so that it has to be grace because it's only by grace you're going to have a relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Martin Luther, his, his, his uh, commentary on these verses, here's what he said. This is the truth of the gospel. It is also the principal article of Christian doctrine. This is how serious Galatians 2, or, or Galatians 2.20 was to Martin Luther. This is, it is the article, the principal article of all Christian doctrine, wherein the knowledge of all godliness consisted. How many want to be godly? Well, you are godly because he was godly on your behalf, so he has made you godly. The biggest lie that ever started in mankind was started by a fallen angel when he came to Eve and said, don't you want to be godly? And that was the biggest lie right away. And sadly, religion keeps on telling people, don't you want to be like God? You can't become what you already are. I can never perform or I can never achieve what has been granted to me as a gift. I am holy. Oh, you're really up on yourself. No, I'm not. I'm absolutely reckoning myself what the word of God says over me. I agree it is true. Go ahead, say it. I am holy. Boom. That's absolutely true. And you know how you get all the benefits of Christ moving towards your life? You keep on declaring, I am righteous. I am righteous. I am righteous. And not just righteous, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Please settle down. Too much affirmation. Cheryl, I am going to preach this for three hours when I get home. 
It is most necessary, therefore, that we should know this article well, teach it to others, and here's, wouldn't you like Martin Luther as your pastor? You ready? Here's what he says. And beat it into their heads continually. <laughs> you got to get a celestial two by four just to beat people over the head, you know? Do you get it, Brian? <laughs> you got it now. <laughs> You beat it in their heads continually. Oh, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And beat it in their heads over and over and over again. Andrew Womack, his, his commentary in Galatians, he said, there are people today who have taken the dying to self doctrine to an extreme. And instead of being free of self, they are totally self-centered. The Christian life is not just hard to live. It's impossible to live in our human strength. The only way to walk in victory is to let Christ live through us. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by and I live in the faith of God. He said, Paul experienced this death by simply reckoning. Say, I reckon. I reckon is, you know, one plus one is two. I reckon so. It's that simple. I am the righteous of God in Christ. I reckon so. But then in your head, you go, but I'm really not. I am the righteous of God in Christ. How do you get that? You reckon it so, because it's the gift of God. How did you get that? It was a gift. Well, you don't deserve that. I know, but it's a gift of God. Amen. Amen. All right, I am the righteous of God in Christ. Paul experienced this death simply by reckoning that he had already, this had already happened through Christ to be so. So here we come to the table. And we remember that Jesus died for us, but you also have to remember that you died too. See, it wasn't just him who died, you died. The old man, the unrighteous guy, the guy who couldn't do anything for himself, he died. He's not trying to die. He's not trying to lay self down. It's done. Dead, done. Dead. But you weren't just dead. You were buried with him, and you were raised with him, and you're seated with him in heavenly realms. As he is, so am I. In this world. How is he? He's absolutely righteous. So am I. He's absolutely free of disease. So am I. He's absolutely moving in blessing and prosperity. He's able to be a blessing everywhere he goes. So am I. Say, so am I. So how's Jesus? So am I. Thank you. Did I did tell you that I'm needy. All your needs are met in Christ. Hallelujah. I just can't hear his amens right now, so if you'd help him out, that would be great. As he is, he's saying amen. He's saying amen right now in heaven. And as he is, so are you in these chairs. Amen? Amen, amen. Amen, amen. All right. Paul experienced the death simply by reckoning that it already happened. Christ to be so. Failure to understand this simple truth is that the root of all legalism and performance mentality. The law focuses on the outer man and tells it it must do. Grace focuses on the inner man and tells him it is already done. Let me read that again. The outer man tells you what it must do. Do, 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 do. But grace focuses on the inner man and tells it what is already done through Christ. Colossians 3.3, 3, for you died. You died. Point at your neighbor and say, you died. You died and your life is hidden in Christ 
Jesus, in Christ, in God, hidden, apocryphos, apocryphos, to hide, to conceal, to keep secret. You've been shoved in the witness protection program, and the enemy don't even know where you are because you've been absolutely, totally in Christ, and you're hidden in him, you're wrapped up in him, and he cannot touch you because as he is, so are you right now in this world. It's good. By union with Christ, we were radically transformed. We can no longer go back to our old life. You can't go back to your old life. Oh, I did this week, Pastor. It was ugly. You cannot. You cannot. There's a new person, brand new person. If, if it's not the old person going back, it's you with an unrenewed mind taking the new life back to the old ways. But you cannot change the new creation because you didn't make yourself righteous and you can't change it. But you can still do unrighteous stuff, but that doesn't change the fact that you are the righteous of God in Christ. And it doesn't change the fact that as he is, so are you in this world. It's not just good, it's the truth, right? Amen. All right, by union, radically transformed. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if, it should be since. Since you are in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, pay attention. All things have become new. Say, in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. I have been in Christed. When I accepted him as my Savior, I was in Christ, and I was hidden in Christ, I was placed in Christ, and nothing can ever take me out of the grip of his grace and his love, once and for all. The Translator's New Testament, this is a book, it's for translators. Now, the Translator's New Testament, this is what it says. If you were going to go to some, you know, lost, deserted island where there's a sect or group of people who have never heard the gospel and do not have a language and need to translate the Bible, you would take this with you. It's an actual book. You can Google it right now. The Translator's New Testament. This is what it says in the Translator's New Testament. It says the phrase, in Christ, say, in Christ. You'll see that all over the place in Paul's writings. The phrase in Christ is a technical term in Paul's letters. Don't mess with it. Don't change it. Don't try to translate it some other way. Let it be in Christ. It's like, do not tamper with it. These words, lest you under-translate them. Because there's massive truth attached to in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. Everywhere you see in Christ, that is your identity. And if you change that, you'll, 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 people will misunderstand who they are because who you are in Christ is done by him on your behalf. You just have to say, thank you, Jesus. So in Christ is a big, big deal in Paul's writings. Richard N. Longenecker, he said, in speaking of the personal appropriation of the work of Christ, the apostle Paul repeatedly employs the expression in Christ. In speaking of the personal, personal appropriation of the work of Christ, he repeatedly employs the expression in Christ. This phrase, together with its cognates, in him, in Christ Jesus, in him. See, in Christ and in the Lord are two different phrases. In Christ or your positional truth when he says in the Lord he's talking about this is now the fruit of being in Christ now that you got the revelation of in the Lord here is the manifestation of the fruit of that relationship now in the Lord you can manifest who you are in your identity you cannot do the in the Lord's if you do not have a strong working revelation of in Christ 
Very important. Very, very important. You got to have that down. This phrase together with his cognates occur 172 times. It's a pretty big deal if Paul repeats it 170. And you should look up every 170 times and you should confess them over yourself because that's who you are. 172 times in Paul's writings. A.J. Gordon, his book In Christ, he said the two words in Christ give us profound insight into the divine method of salvation. These two words open to us mysteries and secrets. Did we change that in the last service? The secrets that were hidden for ages and generations, those things are revealed in Paul, and that mystery is unpacked in the phrase in Christ. In is a, pro, is a preposition. It's used to indicate inclusion with space and place and limits, Walking like I'm walking in the park. I am in Christ Jesus, so I am in Christ. Uh, second uh, Corinthians 5.17, amplified version. It says, therefore, if any person is engrafted into Christ, say engrafted, if you are engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, the previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away, and behold, a fresh and a new one has come. So the word engraft or ingraft means to graft, a shoot or a bud, to graft it, to graft it into a stalk so that the two grow together and become one, to incorporate in a firm and a permanent way, to implant. They engrafted their principles into the document, to engraft, to cause two things to come together as one. For there to be a good graft, you need an identical cut. For there to be, then they are bound together and they become one, and there can be no grafting without wounding. Let me read those again. Go back to those. Just give me the picture. Give me the picture. Boom. There's grafting. Has anybody ever grafted? Anybody? Just nod if you have. You have, really, done it. See, we're not an agricultural culture, really, so in grafting. But in their day, when Paul would talk about that, they'd be a lot more familiar with this whole process. But you see, to graft, I'll show you how to do it just in case you want to. You have to cut open where you want it placed, and you have to make an identical cut. You have to make a cut that is identical to what you're going to insert. And the cut has to be the same. They have to be identical because you're going to insert the one into the other. So you see, Jesus received a cut that was just like you. He received a wound where you could be placed in that was perfectly fitted for you. And he was wounded for you so that you could be placed in him. And then it was bound together, and then they become one in absolute union. See, when you were placed in Christ, you were made absolutely one with God himself. We sang that song, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. We're talking about the Godhead. See, here's the beautiful thing, is the Godhead is the most perfect, beautiful community that exists today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a perfect, beautiful community. But you know who else is in there? You say, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Oh, Carl, what are you doing here? Yeah. I, I was engrafted. I was placed in him. And in me, here's the beautiful thing. I'm in him, and in me, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in bodily form. I'm in him, and he's in me, because we are absolutely one. Oh, wow. But let's go back to the conditions. Look what it says. It's to have the graft. Just those three things. If you can pull them up. Boom. There we go. For there to be a good graft, you need an identical cut identical cut. So he was identical. There was an identical cut. They must be bound together to become one, and there can be no grafting without wounding. There can be no grafting without wounding. Look at the scriptures now. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You see, we're placed in him. When you were in Christ, as, as the, the Amplified Bible says, you were engrafted. You were, you were brought into absolute union with him. You were engrafted in him. And he is the vine. You're just the branch. The branch, all the branch does is hang out. 
The branch doesn't do anything. The branch just sucks in the juices from the vine. The branch just abides. The branch just remains and then boop, 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 fruit. And what did the branch do? It just stayed there. You didn't put yourself there and you can't take yourself out. And if you happen to fall, you don't get cut off. That's a brutal translation. It says if you fall into the dirt and you're not fruitful, he lifts you up. Nasty translation that says he cuts you off. Because he's not going to cut himself off. He grafted you in. He made you one with him. He's not going to cut himself off. He will lift you up out of the dirt because he is committed that what I began in you, I will continue until it comes to full, perfect completion. He's never, ever going to quit on you. I don't care what you do. Even if you're not faithful, he says, I am still faithful. He's going to chase you down. He's going to bring you kicking and screaming into your destiny. I reckon just, just let him have his way in your life. Humble yourself and let him have his way. Cut the kick in his cream and say, thank you, Jesus. Because here's the truth. It's really, really good. It's really good. It is a good thing to be a part of his family. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm the vine. We are the, he's the vine. We are the branches. We just, we just remain. But then we turn remaining into a doctrine. Here's the 10 ways to remain. You ready? Write these down. You got to pray an hour every day. Did you write that down? You got to memorize 5 million scriptures a week. And you got to pray in tongues half an hour after a cold shower. Let me turn on. Here's the abiding principles. You ready? Here's the one abiding principle. Ready? Abide. How do you abide? I am one with Christ. I am in Christ. I am the righteous of God in Christ. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I I can do all things. I didn't talk about that yet, honey, but I will. But thanks for reminding me. All right. So uh, Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. See, there can be no, there can no, no engrafting without a wound. He was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed in every single way. Everything that would hinder us from being completely one with him, he dealt with. He was wounded so that you could be inserted. Oh, it's so good, Pastor. Is it that easy? Yes, it is. It's so simple. It confounds every smarty pants around. It's not that simple. I'm going to another church. It is that simple. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our niggers. 1 Corinthians 1.30, New Living Translation. God has united you with Christ. Who united you with Christ? Who? Who united you with Christ? Who did it? Who did it? God has united you with Christ. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. Christ offered you the opportunity to grow up in him. Christ offered you an opportunity to behave and try to live like him. Come on, imitate Jesus, you little wretch, you. No, that's not what it says. It says you've been united with him. You've been engrafted into him. You've been bound up so his nature is flowing into you. The life of God himself is pushing its way into everything that you are. He himself has made you right with God. He himself has made you pure and holy. Any pure and holy people here today? Every hand should be raised up high in the sky without fear or shame because you are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. He made you pure and holy and he has freed us from sin once and for all. 
Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, Ben, for the amen. Colossians 1, 21, 22. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in Pastor Carl's sight. Hallelujah. You are blameless and above reproach in his sight. You might have all kinds of people out there like, you're crazy to believe God's that good. Oh, it's not your sight I'm holy. It's in his sight I'm holy. You might have some fallen doctrine of the goodness of God, but not me. I really believe God is that good. That good. I am blameless and I am above reproach in the sight of God. <laughs> That's good stuff right there, I'm telling you. Colossians, Colossians. All right, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. What is, there's something attached to my spirit. What is it? There's something there. There's something attached to my spirit. What's going on in my spirit? There's something attached to my spirit. Oh, it's Jesus. I am one spirit with him. Look around. Go ahead. You ready? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And where are you? Right in the middle. You are fixed in him, established in him. How? Because of you are in Christ, which means you are in the faith of Christ. And then what do you say to that? You say, I say yes to the faith of Christ. The life I now live, I live by the power of the faith of Christ Jesus and everything he has done for me. I am one with him. I am engrafted into him and nothing will ever separate me from his love. Do you know how you got in? He was wounded for you. And his wound was a perfect fit. I'll give you one more story. I got to research it a bit, and I will. I'll look it up. You look it up. But I was reading about a firefighter in California who, who uh, his uh, hand was severed in a fire, and it was uh, burned up. And they, they got the hand, and they wanted to restore the hand. And this doctor decided he heard that your body had these qualities, redemptive qualities, that your body could be renewed. You could have skin grow back. The, the hand could recover. And he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut open your side, and I'm going to put your hand in your side and he did it and when he put the hand in his side they left it there I don't know how long it was but they left the hand there and when they pulled his hand back out his hand had experienced restoration and his hand had experienced you know healing and skin was coming back on his hand because his hand was inserted in his side there's several stories about that, several stories about that, of different types of that happening. But, but I heard that, and I didn't really have a good source for it, so I wasn't going to share it, but I shared it in the first service. So Cheryl said, you should share it now. And while I was preaching, believe it or not, terribly disobedient, but she was searching Google while I was preaching. <laughs> Sometimes you got to search Google just to do a fact checks on the preacher, right? <laughs> Especially this one, you know. <laughs> but you know what? You were inserted in Christ Jesus. You were broken, messed up. I mean, you've been messed up by a nasty fire. But you know what? You were placed in him, and you've recovered everything. You've recovered all. You've been totally restored in every single way. Amen? Amen. 